It was so wonderful this week when um, I came to the church office and there were three messages. Interesting, out of the three, two of those had to do with ladies in our community asking if they could save a spot for the Mark Anthony meetings. One of them was one of our sisters in the church. And she said, I'm coming and I want to save a spot for myself and somebody else that I'm bringing. And then uh, the other two ladies, it was very encouraging because they were also bringing other friends to come to the meetings. Beloved, continue to invite your friends because this is one of the most dynamic, attractive, and lots of fun presentations that take place for uh, those cooking classes. And the Lord will use it in a way that will enable us to create bridges, to make friendships, bonds. We can make friends for eternity by God's grace. I'd like to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Classical passage in the Bible about our subjects in the series that we are in. The Lord, our righteousness. Romans chapter 5. And right there, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. May the choir say, Amen. We have peace with God through Jesus, who made it possible for us to be reconciled with the Lord. Let us quickly review what we have seen so far concerning righteousness by faith. I'd like to refresh your memories in the following way. Think about it. Faith can present Christ's perfect obedience instead of the sinner. Fill in the blank. My name, your name. By faith, you, I can present the perfect obedience of Christ in my stead, in my place, for my transgression and defection. When the sinner, you, I, <coughs> when the sinner believes that Christ is his personal Savior, then according to his unfailing promises, God pardons his or her sins and justifies him freely. It doesn't end there. The repentant soul realizes that his justification comes because of Christ as his substitute and surety. He died for him, for me, for you. His atonement and righteousness is now yours because you chose to accept it. Now, in our previous message, we learned three things. The first one is that the enemy of God, Satan, does not want 
that this message be clearly presented before God's people. Notice, not only not into the world, but especially among you and on me. The enemy of God and men is not willing that this truth should be clearly presented. Why? If he can control minds so that doubt and unbelief and darkness shall compose the experience of those who will claim to be his children, he can overcome us with temptation. He knows also that when this message is presented before God's people, his power is broken. Simple as that. Again, like some of you did, and I hope all of you do now, go and search. Find, buy all the books you can about righteousness by faith. And the experience that God will give you as a result of that will prepare you to see Jesus and enter into the wedding feast of the Lamb when He returns. So, number one, Satan does not want you or me to spend one second contemplating Jesus, the sin-pardoning Savior, offering you freely His perfect life of obedience, His perfect righteousness that will take place of your and my sinful record. We have all sinned. And we need our only hope. Your and my only hope is to come to Him and receive from Him His righteousness. In second place, we learn that this message, this experience, you see, a sermon cannot do it. Me trying to, or anyone else trying to teach you what righteousness by faith is all about will not cut it either. It is an experience that every believer must know for him or herself. No one else can experience this for you. And how will Jesus will recognize that? It's not because of the color. Or the size of it. He's going to see himself in you. Because you learn the experience of daily. Asking Jesus. Jesus come and live your life. Of love. Of victory over sin. In me. And through me. I cannot do this on my own. I am choosing to willfully. Completely, totally surrender the will you've given me to you. Number one, Satan is not happy. Number two, this message, this understanding, this experience of righteousness by faith imputed to you is the wedding garment in which you may appear as a welcome guest to the marriage of the Lamb. When Jesus comes again. And in third place we learn. The last time we were together. That when you come across. And you devout time and meditate. About 
this subject of what Christ has done. When you let faith take hold of Christ's righteousness and accept it, you will be a new creature. Beloved, you will be a new creature, number one. Number two, not only that, when that experience begins to happen to you, you will be a light into the world. And number three, if it was not enough, when faith lays holds upon this gift, the gift of His righteousness, the praise of God would be in your lips, not just when you're encouraged to say amen. You will always be saying amen all the time, praising God, thanking Him for what He has done for you. Beloved, today, our meditation as a continuation of the message of righteousness by faith brings us to this statement that is very important that we all become aware of. The Bible is clear. It leaves us with no lagoon in no one's mind. But it will take effort, time, on your behalf and on my behalf to learn and understand that Christ imputed righteousness, I repeat, Christ imputed righteousness, which is called justification, and his imparted righteousness, which is sanctification, is an absolutely essential experience that the believer must know for himself, for herself, in order to see Jesus and live with him for eternity. And the counsel, the encouragement we received this morning is clad. That's an old English word. Cover yourself, in other words. Clad in the armor of Christ's righteousness. The church is to enter upon her final conflict. Before Christ comes again, you need to understand, you need to clad, cover yourself with the armor of Christ's righteousness. And when you do that, you and I as a church will enter upon the final conflict. Fear as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. She is to go forth into all the world, conquering and to conquer. And you say, okay, pastor, what is all that about? What are all those words? Beloved, this is the experience that will enable you to receive the early and the latter rain to proclaim to this planet Earth God's final call and invitation to receive His eternal gift of salvation. Beloved, righteousness by pace is an experience that will prepare you so that God can use you to fulfill the prophecy mentioned in Revelation chapter 18, verse 1 through 3. A light of an angel, a symbol in prophetic language, will illuminate the whole globe. How is God going to do this? 
He has not given us the details. But it's a Bible prophecy, like any other, that he will fulfill. And he will do this only through men and women, boys and girls, who know by themselves, one, that Christ imputed righteousness, justification. What is God's justification? Is the act of God declaring, put your name in the blank, I declare you just. Not because you are just, but because of my son Jesus, who took your place in the cross of Calvary, and now you are declared like you have never sinned, and God loves you as he loves his son. Beloved, that is an act of a moment. This is not something that I just invented or discovered. It's been given to us for centuries, millennia. The message of righteousness by faith. All the gospel writers, all the New Testament. Even if you read our scripture, if you go over again, Jeremiah 23, the Lord, our righteousness, was the experience of the people of the Old Testament as well. They knew we could not do this on our own. The vision that Zechariah had about Joshua standing before God, filthy with his clothes. There was no hope for him. Satan was accusing him, like he's doing right now, by you, letting you know, there's no hope for you. And then Michael, Jesus himself shows up, and says, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And gives another order to the other angels, take his garments out. And put new white linen garments on him. This is the experience of justification by faith. Is the act of God declaring you just when you acknowledge, I cannot save myself. I have sinned. I need a savior. Not as a band-aid to a little cut infection that I have here. It's a lifelong journey, a saving relationship with my Lord, daily receiving from Him the benefit of His atoning death. But you see, Satan takes people to any extreme that he can take you, either to the left, this is my left arm, or to the right arm. If he can take you to any extreme, he's got me, he's got you. He's got anyone as long as we go to any extreme. Well, the extreme in the days of Jesus, you know what it was? To the right. It was the extreme to the right. I don't need a savior. My works, my good works, my good behavior, coming to church, being faithful, being early, returning tithe, all this has granted me the assurance, the certainty that I am saved. Jesus came with the message that just like pulling the rug under your feet. No, not so. A Savior has come into the world, the Messiah. They rejected him. Then, 
in the year 19, I mean, I'm sorry, 1888, something tragic happened. God sent the remnant people of his church a message. Not everyone, but the leaders of the church and many of its members rejected the message that God had sent. And what was the message? What, what was the issue? It was the message of righteousness by faith. What was wrong with them? Many had lost sight of Jesus. Beloved, read the documents about the history of this church. Any of those pioneers could win any public debate with the Bible showing about Jesus coming, Bible prophecy about the fourth commandment of the law of God that is still there for the Christians to embrace and accept through Jesus, anointed through the Holy Spirit. Because on our own, no human flesh can keep the law of God. Romans said, makes it very clear. Those who are led by the flesh could not keep God's law. But if you are baptized daily with the Holy Spirit, you delight. Like King David said, I delight in your law, O Lord. You find joy because it is not your effort. It is Jesus in you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You delight in his law. Not to say, Lord, I kept it through your Holy Spirit. Now you have to save me. No. In gratitude, in thanksgiving, because how he has empowered you, you rejoice in the new life that he does, he brings to you. Many had lost sight of Jesus. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person, his merit, and his changeless love for the human family. Beloved, I'm going to make a pause here. The third angel's message, righteousness by faith, is nothing else than the gospel. That's it. Righteousness by faith is nothing else than the third angel's message is the eternal gospel described in Revelation 14. And what is the gospel? The good news that Jesus died for you and for me and we don't have to die. Even Molly knew about it. The animals, the whole nature is groaning, claiming for its redemption. Don't mention you and me. We too are groaning that Jesus would come and take us home. Before that, he wants to do something special in our lives. He wants us to meditate, focus on Jesus and his merits, his divine person, his love for human family. All power is given into his hands that he may dispense rich gifts unto men imparting the priceless gift of his own righteousness to the helpless human agent. There's no hope for you and for me unless Jesus intervenes, interposes, puts himself in between him and the Father and you and me. He decided to interpose himself so that we can appear before God like we have never sinned and we know we have. We have. 
our next message is going to focus on the second aspect of righteousness by faith. It's the part of righteousness by faith that deals with the imparted righteousness. The imputed righteousness of Jesus is God taking the sinner, this sinner standing right here, I'm using my imagination, his name is Carlos Sanchez. And God declares Carlos righteous. He's not righteous, but God declares him righteous. Romans declared that God is the justifier. He is the one who can justify the sinner. It's the act of God declaring the sinner forgiven because of Jesus. I am so encouraged when I consider that Christ's righteousness encompasses two important experiences in the believer's life. The first is called justification righteousness in which it is imputed to the repented sinner's life that matchless life of Jesus. And in the Review and Herald of November 4th of 1890, by faith, he or she, fill in the blank with your name, my name, he or she can bring to God the merits of Christ. And the Lord places the obedience of his son to the sinner's account. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is the most marvelous, this is the good news of the gospel. That he or she, the believer, can bring to God, not his, but the merits of Jesus Christ. And the Lord places the obedience of his son into the sinner's account. Christ's righteousness is accepted in place of man's failure. My failure, your failure. It's substitute. And God receives you. God receives me. Pardons, justifies the repentant, believing soul treats him as though he were righteous and loves him as he loves his son. This is how faith is accounted unto righteousness for you and for me. The extreme in the wrong direction to the left today is what God told us Almost 2,000 years ago. That in the final days. The last church on earth. Described in Revelation 3. And um, the third chapter of Revelation. Turn your Bibles there with me. And let's look our x-ray again. Revelation chapter 3. Beginning in verse 15. 14. And the word of God reminds us. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write. These things says the Amen. Meaning Jesus. The faithful Jesus again. The true witness Jesus again. Three of his names there. The beginning of the creation of God. Another name for Jesus. What does he say? I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, verse 16, because you are lukewarm 
and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that I am wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. And he counsels me, says verse 18, I counsel you, Carlos, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be really rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, because you're naked, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint my eyes with eye salve, that I may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. My friends, Jesus' message to every one of us today is that He has done something marvelous. He's offering you and me the good news we've known for many years. And because we know it, we think, I don't need repentance. And the Word of God is just making it very clear. I desperately need daily to come to Jesus and embrace His gift. Yes, by faith, he or she can bring to God's bring to God the merits of Christ and the Lord places the obedience of his son to the sinner's account Christ's righteousness is accepted in the place of man's failure and God receives pardons justifies the repentant believing soul treats him as though he or she were righteous and loves him and her as he loves his son And then the second part of righteousness by faith. This is imputed righteousness. God declares you like you've never sinned. Now God's righteousness that is imparted to you, it's called sanctification. It's a lifetime process. Many people love to stay in justification imputed. God declared you just, that's all I need. But God is saying, no, I got more for you. It's my own power, my own life to give to you. Turn your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, right there beginning in verse 2, the Word of God continues to reveal the good news of the gospel. And this is the essence of the gospel. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see, God has got everything under control to make sure that you and I live a victorious life as his followers. We don't have it in us, but he's giving it to us through his divine promises. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who call us by glory 
and virtue, by which have been, verse 4, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, receiving God's own divine nature. Not for us to manage or control it, just receiving it and taking over, and you become a child of God, reconciled with God, because His life is in you. This is how God enables you to live the victorious Christian life. And it's a lifelong journey experience. It doesn't stop. Yes, the sanctification of the soul by the operation of the Holy Spirit is the implanting of Christ's nature in humanity. I'm quoting directly from Selected Messages, Book 3. There it is. Sanctification of the soul. The sanctification of the soul. How does it happen? It's very simple. Is the operation of the Holy Spirit where He implants in you Christ's divine nature. We just read it from the Word, now from the pen of inspiration. Yes, the sanctification of the soul by the operation of the Holy Spirit is the implanting of Christ's nature in humanity. That is the gospel. It is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ revealed in character and the grace of Christ brought into active exercise in good works. Jesus in you doing the good works. Yes, thus the character is transformed more and more perfectly after the image of Christ in righteousness and true holiness. Beloved, he or she who tries to reach heaven by his own works in keeping the law is attempting an impossibility. Man cannot be saved without obedience. But his works should not be of himself. Christ should work in him to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I close reminding you that what was required of Adam and Eve is exactly what is required for you and for me to have life eternal. Perfect obedience. I know and you know that nor you nor I have that perfect obedience. But Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience and that is put into your account. You don't deserve it. Worse me, I don't deserve it. It's given to you when you by faith claim this promise. And then God says, Wow, my son, my daughter. He starts surgery. He takes out the heart of stone. And implants in you his divine nature, his heart, the mind of Christ 
in you. And this is the journey, the beginning of a lifelong experience that he's counting on you to share with other people. It's not a videotape series of evangelism. That's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. But the last message God is counting on you to present to this dying world is the message of righteousness by faith. It's not new. It's the everlasting gospel. It was preached to Adam right there in Genesis chapter 3 after he had sinned. Someone would come and die. Someone from the seed of the woman would come and die. He would receive a wound, but he would come back after that wound that he received and he will crush in the head that serpent, the instigator of sin, and destroy it forever. And we will be for God for eternity. Our next message will dwell how Jesus will keep you from victory to victory. May his peace, may his love, and his life always, don't let a second go by that you invite Jesus to live by faith in you and through you. Amen. Father, only one thing we can do right now, and that is say thank you. Thank you for your matchless love, unchanging love for humanity. The price you paid in and through Jesus so that we can be reconciled with you. And the day is coming when you will glorify us in a twinkling of an eye. This mortal will become immortal. And Lord, we will see him face to face. The one who's offering freely his life to cover me. I look so bad. I am so embarrassed for my sins. And you invite me, Father, to not only confess and abandon them and bring them to Jesus because he is righteous. And he wants to cleanse not only me, but every one of us here today and every day turn to him. If for some reason, for distraction or willfully, we turn away from you. Father, may your sweet spirit bring us back into your fold. This message of righteousness by faith is not a license to continue in sin. But to begin the journey of sanctification. Even, even that is given to us by you. Not only you impute, you declare us righteous. But you impart us the power, your nature, to live the life of victory over sin. And that we truly need and want to know and grow in understanding. We're about 
to participate of fellowship and potluck. I pray, Lord, that the food that has been prepared, may it nourish us to do what Jesus taught us, to love you, Lord, with all our strength, our might, our mind, energy, with our whole being, and love one another as we love ourselves. In Jesus' most awesome name, we pray and we thank you. Amen.